He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Systems. Do you want to introduce uh, me no, first? No, no, no. You jumped in a half a second too early. There you go. Go. It's about the systems that are behind everything in our lives. And some of our systems are really obvious. Like you have an alarm clock. When the alarm clock goes off, you turn off the alarm clock. You either do or do not get out of bed. Maybe you hit the snooze button. But you have systems to underplay all parts of your life. And some of these systems we want to make invisible. And if they're currently visible, that's a big problem. Other systems we are currently invisible, but we want to make them visible. And what I see with a lot of business owners is that our health and happiness system, we're, it's not intentional. It's like we're casually threw together like a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't fit. And we just hope for the best instead of saying, well, actually, what should I eat to go have a certain, in, a certain outcome in my life? Or how should I go and organize any particular system, including where I get my information from about what health really looks like? You know, that's a, that's a fascinating way to look at it. And I'm going to say welcome to our podcast listeners. You came in on the middle of a conversation that we, we started and we're having fun with, and we said, we're just going to record it. This is the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. And our special guest today is a man who both Dr. Ovedia and I uh, consider to be a friend. Uh, he's also our business coach, the one, the only, the inimitable Brian Keith. Hey, man. AKA the red bearded one. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Your, your, your uh, online name is Redbeard. It is. So we're talking about systems, and because we're talking with here with Dr. Vadia about metabolic health. Uh, one of the really interesting things about what Dr. Vidya, what you do is that you look at some numbers, uh, but they're not the same numbers other people are even looking at. And it's so interesting. And that goes back to that thing you were saying about, about um, invisible or visible, right? Visible versus invisible. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you go to your, your primary care physician, they say, well, here's the five numbers and here's what they mean. Okay. Maybe they're right. But if they didn't look at these other five numbers, and then you're having some other outcome in your life. That's a problem. I went into the chiropractor yesterday and I found out that I had some rotator cuff issues that I was unaware of. I became aware of them when this guy's digging his thumb into my rotator cuff and I'm experiencing pain. And I get to tell him six out of 10, seven out of eight out of 10. And I knew I'd done, had some injuries last month doing some push up stuff, working on my sailboat. But it wasn't until I got that information that it went from, oh, I thought I was just not at my A game to, oh, I've done some deep issues here and now I have evidence. But because I wasn't looking, because I hadn't been to a chiropractor, I couldn't diagnose, I couldn't change my behavior, I couldn't properly decide how much should I be doing, you know, tennis ball on a wall or something else to go fix the problem. So Dr. Vady, what you do is you help people understand the broader array of, okay, here's something invisible that might actually be a big problem and if you wait until it is so symptomatic that you're in a hospital, that is bad. It's really hard to fix it right then. But with the chiropractor yesterday, he was saying, well, how, you know, how does this hurt? Does that hurt? I said, well, you know, when it started to hurt last month, when I hurt myself working on a sailboat, mass of all things, I stopped right away. And then I stopped doing pushups. I stopped working out for a few days because I was listening really, really carefully. And that's part of what you do with the whole health numbers thing is for those of us who are non-experts, you say, okay, well, what are the sensors that we should be listening to? And when that sensor starts flashing red, you address it immediately. You don't wait 10 years, 20 years until you're fat and sick and on an operating table. Yes. And uh, it's great to be here with you, Brian. And uh, I think this will oh, uh, fit uh, nicely into a theme that we've uh, sort of been running through over the past uh, few weeks on the show uh, with bringing on some people who might not be have an obvious connection to health. Um, but I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to pride myself on is having a holistic view of not just health, but your life in general. And along those lines that you were talking about, I probably 
won't surprise many or maybe anyone in the audience to know that I might be a great heart surgeon and I, I might be a great doctor. Uh, but when I set out to launch a new path and a new business specifically, I know very little to nothing about business. And that's why I sought out advice uh, from those who know more uh, about that than me. And so while uh, people certainly seek me out and come to me to help me help improve their health, um, I was very fortunate to start uh, working with uh, Brian uh, to for him to help me uh, build and grow my business. And I know Jack has uh, since uh, started working with Brian as well along those same lines. So I'm hoping that the audience finds this to be a, a great conversation. And we're going to talk some about health and we're going to talk some about business. And we're going to talk about how the two uh, are often very much related in people's lives. And oh, yeah. uh Let's just start, uh, since we did sort of come in on the middle of the conversation, let's step back for a minute and have you introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, folks. I'm Brian Redbeard-Keith, and I've been a business coach for approximately forever, Keep Certified Partner, Podcaster. Uh, my book, 20 Easy Ways to Make Money with Plus This, helps you make that app work better. And what I do is this combination of copywriting and also deep technical understanding of things, which usually you can find techies or you can find copywriters. Usually it's not the same person. So my sweet spot is I have my Redbeard Accelerator, which is for business owners uh, from startup through six figures who want to grow. And then I also do this outsource COO thing where all your problems become my problems. And one of the things that I consistently see is this systems that aren't operating properly where like in your case, Dr. Avedia, we have where your Twitter account was at when you met. Your Twitter account was like at 1,500 or so. Now, you don't know a lot more now than you did then. That was less than a year ago. You're not way better of a heart surgeon than you were then. But the amount of output of your knowledge, of your truths, and how much of that is getting out into the world through this podcast with Jack, through your book, through your Twitter account, through your working with companies, through your working one-on-one with people, something like a thousand times more output is showing up. Based on your same understanding you had nine months ago, you've not revolutionized anything in the last nine months. But the people who have been exposed to your content have seen changes in their lives. And, and what we have with Twitter is, we had these podcasts coming out, we had the book coming out, and we just started taking parts of what you were already doing and then changing them around, changing the format and sharing them with people where people could take these big concepts and they took a little 30 second bit of it. They could take them, they could actually digest, they could do something with it. They could say, oh, I can actually change my life or change my habits, change my systems based on this little tiny bit right here. I can do that. Whereas your big story is about, well, here's how you do heart surgery. You know, we could have started off, we could say, well, heart surgery is a 5,000 part process, part number 364. It would have been worthless. No one would have cared because that's way too complex. So what we have on your Twitter account on iFixHearts is just a bunch of little blurbs, like little little quotes from your podcast, little bits from your book, from co- podcasts you've been a guest on, where you're just telling this little bit of a story and you're helping people look at these underlying systems that are invisible to them. Even things like cholesterol is bad. And you're saying, well, well, let's talk about that. And even that idea that, well, this thing I know, the cholesterol is bad, obviously. Uh, cholesterol causes heart attacks, obviously. I know that. Cheeseburgers are bad for you because they cause your cholesterol to go up, which kills you. I, I learned that growing up. Probably was part of the food pyramid. <laughs> There's all this crap I learned that's not true. And what I love about your content and getting to work with you is I continually unlearn some of the crap in my head that I am and sure that, is fact. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing for me, Brian. I mean, Dr. Ovedi and I have been working together now for what, six, seven, eight months? It may be longer than that. Um, and I felt, I thought I was pretty knowledgeable in terms of health and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. Um, and in reality, I really was. And even then, man, just getting to sit and, and listen to him talk for the last eight months has been unbelievably educational and and transformative for me. I feel like I'm when it comes to Dr. Philip Ovedia, I am by far the single biggest beneficiary of his work because 
Fight me. I get to, I, <laughs> you know, it's pretty interesting. It's interesting to uh, you know hear you both say that because you know I kind of feel the same uh, when I listen to uh, both of you guys and. Uh, you know, that, that, we're, that we're the biggest beneficiaries of your work? Uh, no, that I'm the biggest beneficiary of your work and, and just uh, drawing upon all of your uh, great uh, life experiences, all of your stories, uh, which is something I certainly want to get into because uh, Redbeard Brian um, has had one of the most uh, interesting lives, uh, despite the fact that he is he is not that old, uh, young, younger than I, certainly. And uh, the the uh, interesting stories uh, that we, you know, that you have from your life uh, could fill uh, many podcasts. And uh, by the way, I have a feeling this will be the first of many appearances on this podcast for Brian, uh, because there are so many aspects of life that we can bring him into. Uh, but let's, uh, you know, I'd like to focus a minute on the, you know, the systems issue. Yeah. Bringing yeah. those systems to life and how, you know, obviously, as as you know, as the audience has heard, you know, one of my principles of metabolic health is to think of your health as a system, not as a goal. And uh, I know as, mm-hmm. as we've been working together, you know, we have applied that to my business and, and to really, you know, to life in general. Uh, so so give us a little bit more about that. Well, let's talk about food that off and on I've been incredibly healthy in my eating and other times sort of a slacker, probably never full standard American diet. I'm going to be prideful enough to say that, uh, but still at times excellent at times, not excellent. Well, so when I met my now wife, Carrie, I was eating a diet, which according to Phil, how you now recommend is pretty reasonable. Like I'd have you know, four eggs with some cheese on top, <clears throat> maybe some bacon or some meat of some kind for breakfast. Fantastic. Well, I met Carrie and I would occasionally you know, get a little bit itchy, um, but that's just sort of normal. And she said, you know, maybe your body isn't really processing dairy very well. Maybe you should stop having feta cheese on your eggs for breakfast and cheddar cheese with lunch. And I said, A, that's insane, but B, I'll give it a try. Uh, she was hot. What can I say? Turns out I got a lot healthier stopping eating cheese. Stopped getting itchy. I just felt, I don't know, more clear in my mind. <clears throat> this thing I thought I was doing that was really eating well was actually hampering me. Well, then, then she takes it a step further. She says, well, eggs have a lot of histamines. What if you stop eating eggs? And I said, you're crazy, but you know, still hot and also a really smart food person. So I stopped eating eggs. I get healthier again. So what am I eating now? I'm eating mostly meat, some vegetables and some bread, chips, whatever, but I'm eating pretty good. I do this for years. No histamine reaction, not, not itchy at all, just feeling great, feeling powerful, massive success in business, investments, mountain climbing, all kinds of good stuff. My system is perfect, right? Well, then I'm talking to Dr. Avedi here last summer, and he does a blood workup. And he says, and he doesn't say it like this, but he says, my man, you don't have enough cholesterol, which is leading to you have, not having enough testosterone. You should consider eating some eggs and some cheese. And I think to myself, for goodness, and to be fair, you said fatty cuts of meat too. And I think to myself, I used to do that, but I stopped and I felt better. And here we have a heart surgeon saying, no, man, those two things, you probably need to eat more. Now, I still need to go get my blood tested. But in the last since you had that conversation with me, I've eaten a lot of eggs. I've eaten a lot of cheese to go boost up that cholesterol number. I, if you told me you're going to have Anyone, much less a heart surgeon, saying increase your cholesterol because you're eating too little of these things, I would say that's crazy talk. And yet we see that my system evolved to more cheese and eggs, this is good. And then no cheese and eggs, this is good. And then more cheese and eggs, this is good. And this idea that there is an answer, a goal, where if only you do this and you do it forever, you're done. That that's this grade school fantasy that I was holding on to about my nutrition. And you've opened my eyes to the fact that, nope, there's no way out other than dying. And until then, you're going to have to pay attention and look at this system of your nutrition. And it's not going to be static. It just isn't. And, uh, you know, one of the other interesting things around that is that, you know, in the past, it seemed that the 
cheese and the eggs were causing, you know, these issues and you took them away and those issues got better. And so, of course, it's the cheese and the eggs causing the issue. But now that you've reintroduced those, you're not having those issues. And it turns out that it was some of the stuff that you were eating with the cheese and the eggs uh, that actually was leading you to have probably some gut inflammation. Um, and that then allows certain proteins from the cheese and the eggs to, you know, cross the gut barrier when they're not supposed to and cause those reactions. And in the interim, when you cut out those other things, mostly the bread and the pasta and whatever, uh, your gut inflammation has gone away. And now you can tolerate cheese and eggs uh, without those, you know, same histamine issues. Um, And that's, uh, you know, again, that systemic uh, approach um, that you can't just look at, you know, these individual components and it's not, you know, cheese and egg is always bad. It's that cheese and egg in certain content, certain context uh, was bad. I still get some of those histamine issues, but it's maybe 10% of what it was. But I'm also now married to a woman who doesn't eat any gluten. Whereas that's not a life what I had before I was eating more gluten than I am now. But who you're living with, who you break bread with, break bread, haha, quote marks, that matters a lot for the impact of what kind of eggs and even what kind of eggs are you eating? That at this point, we are, I don't know what the right phrase is, we're egg elitists where we only eat eggs that a friend of ours grows on a farm we've been to where the chickens are running around in the sunshine or from a different local farm. But even before that, we were eating only vital farms organic eggs, which is the highest quality of commercial eggs you can buy. When I look at when I was having lots of histamine issues back forever ago when I met my wife, I was not eating the highest quality eggs possible. I was eating sort of in the middle. I thought they were decent. I didn't understand. There's actually something like five grades of eggs and I was eating the second from the bottom. I thought there was like two grades and I was eating from the top shelf. I did not understand because I, I just, I didn't get it. And I had to have an expert show up to say, well, actually, you know, Vital Farms eggs, at least for where we are in the Northwest, these ones, these pastured eggs, these are way better. And organic Vital Farms are better. Oh, and your friend's farm eggs, where you've seen the chickens running, you know, the creek they hop over. Those are the best eggs. Um, I love the idea that you introduced at the very beginning. And honestly, if it had been somebody else, uh, someone who who wasn't wearing the hats that you wear, I might have missed it. But because my perception of of Brian Redbeard Keith is um, chief operating officer, systems guy, have you put together systems to to get things done better, I probably would have missed it. I swear, I know I've heard this a million times, but this idea of treating your diet as just another system that you optimize and and tweak and make it more efficient, that's light bulb stuff for me. I hadn't thought about eating as a system. Well, as soon as you do that, you have to look at when do you eat as part of the system. It's not what you eat. Growing up, the food pyramid, that was about what you eat. Do you remember the time of day part of the food pyramid? Of course you don't. Didn't exist. Uh, We said it was what you eat is all that matters. And it wasn't even what kind of carbs, let's say it was six to 11 servings. And there's pictures of pasta and pictures of white bread and whatever else. But now we know it's not what you eat. It's what what you eat eats or what what you eat where it's grown. (laughs) But it's also when you're eating, but it's also where are you buying food from the store? Now, on my podcast, I tell one embarrassing story per podcast. That's just the rule on Redbeard Radio. But Phil, I hope I can extend that to your podcast. And this is you're the one person I don't want to tell this to. So there we go. I mostly eat really good. Okay. And then, and then a couple of days ago, I'm out and about and I'm stopping by a little country grocery store thing near our house. And when I go to the grocery store is the primary determinant of what I buy. It's not, it's not anything else. It's time of day. If I go yeah, 3 p.m. or later, the odds of you seeing trashy carbs, sugar, treats, whatever, are going to go up. If I go to the grocery store at 10 a.m. or 8 a.m., I'm on it. I am disciplined. I am a mighty, I am Thor. <laughs> I got this. But I came home and I, I don't even recall what my reason was. I was tired that I don't know what it was. I don't know what my excuse was. Okay. But the outcome 
was that I got some, now it's very high quality, but it's, you know, it's ice cream, uh, a root beer again, very high quality, only two grams of sugar root beer. Uh, and then what was my third thing? Um, gluten-free honey grams. Now I was at the grocery store at like oh, 4 PM, something like that. Okay. If I expose myself to the stimuli, to the opportunity of grocery store after a certain time, then my chances of taking junk into my system skyrocket. And if I take those things home and they're in my pantry, well, at some point, if anything's in the pantry, it'll be in the pantry at the time where I make the worst decisions. Yep, 9.30 p.m. me, who feels like snacking while watching TV before bed because I'm an idiot, looks in the pantry. If there's nothing in the pantry that looks appetizing because there's no snacks in there, what do I do? Get some water, toss in some salt. I don't know. But I'm not eating ice cream if it's not in the house. So the systems are, for me, just just on just the topic of food, is when am I buying it? And then when am I exposing myself to that being in my house? And those two things alone, even getting into, well, what kind of, is your meat grass-fed or grass-finished? Those details. It's even, when do you go to the grocery store? So question for you, Dr. Avedia. We all have all these systems around our food. And we talked, I mentioned at the beginning of this, how to make the invisible visible. Now, the confession I just made that after 3 p.m., my food choices at the grocery store plummet like I'm a six-year-old. How do you recommend people just look and notice and open their eyes so they can see if, like me, they're a six-year-old in their food choices after 3 p.m.? I just want to make sure it's 3 p.m. for you. It depends on the day. And how oh, active okay. I am and what's happening at work and the rest of my life. Some okay. days I have my podcast. I'm on, I'm on phone calls for, you know, six hours. That's not a day where I'm going to be a hero at 3 p.m. Other days, maybe I've gone okay. for a long walk, maybe done some weightlifting. Maybe I ate just meat for breakfast. I'm on it. I'm a hero. 3 p.m., no problem. Come at me, bro. I'm going to have only real food. So it depends. I'm not reliable. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think, you know, what you said about I guess what I would say is, you know, I think the way to make things visible is to open people's eyes and to have them start looking. And, you know, a lot of these things that I learned along the way in my journey, you know, first to improve my personal health and then to figure out how to better help the people that I was helping, uh, you know, improve their health. Um, It really starts with, you know, you have to want to look. And unfortunately in life, um, you know, both in regards to our health and, and so many other things in life, it seems that many people just, you know, walk around with those blinders on. And it usually just takes, you know, one one thing to get those blinders off. And then you really can't help but to see all this stuff around you. And again, um, you know, once you start doing that, once you start thinking about these issues and, and analyzing them and looking at, you know, what, you know, why do I make the choices that I make around what I eat or, you know, whatever, you know, why do I make the choices I make around how I'm going to run my business? Um, you know, once you start thinking about it, once you start being intentional about it, I find that's what ultimately leads to success. And, having that foundation is what allows you to be successful through difficult situations. And sometimes that just means, you know, minimizing the damage. You might not come through things completely unscathed, but if you minimize the damage and you minimize the times, the frequency with which you are doing damage, uh, you're going to end up uh, much better in the end. Uh, You know, an example was yesterday for me. You know, I was traveling home yesterday. I had, you know, the long flight delay. Um, I was going to be, you know, stuck in the airport for six hours. And, you know, as anyone knows, uh, you know, airports are bits of uh, health food deserts for the most part. And I could have, you know, you know, and in the past, I, I definitely the healthiest would have. food at most airports is coffee and booze. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, in the past, I certainly would have probably wandered around the airport for six hours and, and multiple times went to, you know, one of the fast food places and gotten something to eat. And, you know, instead, I said, this is a good opportunity for me. And I actually, you know, reached out to someone who I had been connected with on, you know, sort of in the Internet 
uh, but never actually connected in real life, who happened to live in the uh, city where I was and said, hey, you want to meet for some lunch? And he said, sure. And I ended up leaving the airport, finding a good barbecue place to go have a, a good barbecue meal with him. And, uh, you know, and then despite the fact that I spent a few hours in the airport, I now had uh, lots of protein in me and was able to resist all of those uh, horrible uh, uh, influences around me. Uh, but it's those it's that intentional approach to life instead of just passively taking, you know, what life hands you. I think that this all really comes down to. I think it's interesting. Uh, uh, the The question that pops to mind for me, Brian, is your your discussion about treating eating as a system triggered something for me. And so I want to know, have you just, did you just come from the factory with this systems approach to life? Was there something that has, that was there a pivotal, pivotal moment where you started thinking differently about things? Why are you like this? And, and I, 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 I find, I personally find it really, really helpful. You've helped, you know, you've, you've, you've cleared some things away from me in seconds that I've dealt with for a long time. How's this work for you? Sometimes I like to think that I'm responsible for myself. And then other times I hear my mom's story that when nursing, I would want to finish my meal, get on the ground and go on adventure right now. And that literally since before I have any memories whatsoever, I was the let's go do this thing. Let's go adventuring. And then I grew up with two business owner parents, mom's a CPA, uh, who is one of the top uh, tax return analysis trainers in the nation. And if you don't know what that is, that's okay because you're not a lender. And then my dad's a house builder where at one point running three teams, a house build, a home builder. So he was just managing a lot of people, building three houses at a time. And we grew up with financial conversations and how's each business doing being part of normal dinner table conversation. It was not until college when I came to understand that that is really weird. But that I grew up just like that. So you're talking about staff and about clients and financial everything. And that's just normal. Uh, so I don't know how much of why I am the way I am is me versus the environment that I was put in through no fault and no, no volition of my own. I don't get to claim credit, right, for being born to my parents. So uh, was there a moment in life when this whole uh, taking care of your body went from something you just took for granted to, to getting really serious. Like you, you're clearly very serious about it. I'm not serious enough. I feel like, uh, I think, uh, I think when I started sword fighting that being, okay. so I, I have to unpack that obviously, uh, we know that, that story, but, but the listeners don't. As I said, okay, this is will likely end up being the first of many appearances because of stories like that, that just happened to, fall out of Brian's mouth. So there's a culture out there, folks, of people that are doing mixed martial arts, except they're wearing 50 pounds of armor while they're doing it, and they have sticks in their hands between one foot and nine foot long that they're beating the crap out of each other with. And they're reenacting medieval combat, like Dark Ages, you know, King Arthur kind of stuff. And I did that for about a decade. Now, the people who do this, there's some of them who are the exemplars of physical health, mental health, they train like crazy. And I used to live with a bunch of these people, people who paid so much attention to nutrition and physical healing and movement and breathing and everything. And I learned a lot from Mel teacher Avalok and from a lot of the guys that I fought with uh, who just trained me a lot in how to go move, how to breathe. Uh, I started fighting in the US when I was about 22. And so I spent most of my 20s with this gang of people traveling all over the country and have been into Canada doing sword fighting events and training really seriously where when you are at a high enough level, like you've been in for, let's say, at least three years, you start moving so fast that not only are you moving so fast that people can't even see how fast your hands are moving, but you don't know what happened because you're moving so fast, your brain can't process what happened. And I'd have to ask people after a fight, so what happened? I might know who won, but besides, like, did I hit him? Or people just, you know, they just give up and you go, why are you giving up? And they said, you hit me in the face. You don't know that you did that because you moved so fast. Well, here's the thing. To move that kind of speed, you have to have a physical body that's fairly free of debris. 
You have to have a mental and a spiritual body that's fairly free of debris. You have to okay, take everything what, that's slowing you down and get it out of your system or it's going to slow you down. Okay. Wh- what do you mean by uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll look at the, the spiritual and the mental, but the physical body, what do you mean free of debris in your physical well, body? So at a very basic level, smoking. That there are some of us who smoked and those people gassed out real fast. That the best fighter in the world who smoked was – they just couldn't last for very long. Uh, some people drank alcohol in quantity the night before a big fight. And they never lasted very long because it got hot in there and you're wearing 50 pounds of armor and they would just fall over fast. No one wants to go running in 50 pounds of armor. And if it's 90 degrees out, you really don't want to go running. And if you're hungover, you really, really don't. And okay. it just it destroys your ability to respond properly, even if you're a great fighter otherwise. We have craft food. We made a joke, quote marks here again, about feeding donuts to the opposing teams the night before a battle. Because if they eat donuts or pizza, oh man, the next day it's going to be a cinch. Because they're slowing themselves down. They're adding crap to their system. So even before I really became aware of the whole carnivore thing, keto thing, whatever, this idea that there's some kind of foods that speed you up. And really, it's not just that. It's that they don't slow you down, which is meat and vegetables and fruit. And then there's stuff that slows you down, which is literally everything else. So you can have small pieces. Like I used to make my own sourdough bread. Yeah, you can have sourdough bread in small quantities. doesn't slow you down. Small quantities. But if you have significant quantities or on a regular basis, you're screwed. It's just going to slow you down. And then you're going to literally get hit in the face by people who are not feeding themselves crap. So it's a very competitive environment. And if you eat crap, especially, oh, no, if you eat crap for breakfast the day of a big fight when you're in armor, the entire, like for five or 10 hours that day, if you have a crap breakfast, you're doomed. So what's breakfast? Breakfast is always meat, some potatoes on the side and eggs. That's it. If you eat if you eat pizza or leftover pizza or you eat oatmeal or something, you're doomed. You're going to go so slow. Okay, so um, the mental and the spiritual debris. Yeah, a lot of us. About? A lot of us carry around a lot of crap in our heads. Uh, I was dealing with a significant amount of anger in my 20s, which I think probably is true for a lot of guys. I, said, I just got to get it out of me by going and beating up my friends who are also beating me up. So you know, there you go. Uh, and if you are not present, you will get hit. And if you're, you know, not in the fight yet, you're not, you're sort of hanging back. Yeah, you can let your mind wander. But at the moment of there is someone there with a sword and they're trying to whack you in the face and you're moving so fast that people can't even see your hands. If you are not present for a moment, you will get hit. I remember once where I was having some issues with a girlfriend story in my 20s also. And my teacher said, you need to get to fighter practice. And I didn't want to because I was being a whiny little whatever. And we were talking about it. And he said, yeah, part of why you need to get to fighter practice is that's when you're not thinking about this problem because you can't be because you'll get hit. And I wasn't smart enough, wise enough, enlightened enough, whatever to elevate myself otherwise. It was really when fighting or perhaps when shooting guns or bicycling a high speed on rainy streets in Seattle while cars are trying to kill me, that I became present. And it's so common, at least for me, to not be present and to be thinking about something else while I'm doing this. Sure. And in sword fighting, you can't do that. You're going to get hit. And again, so, you know, just going back, just to uh, stick on that for a second, you know, that's not just when you're sword fighting, you know, whether you're looking at yeah. your health you know, the health aspects of your life, if you're looking at the business aspects of your life, um, you know, I would say that that's a great quote to keep in mind, that if you are not present, you're going to get hit. You're talking about my ice cream consumption two days ago, I can tell, and I'm blushing because of it. But it's true, because it only takes a moment. If you are distracted for a moment, and that moment happens to be when your opponent is in front of you with their sword cocked back, they'll know. They'll feel you spiritually distracted and they'll whack you in the face, which is not that different from being at the grocery store, walking past the ice cream and thinking, I want that, and then grabbing it. Because once you do that, that's like a, a third of a second experience. But now, how hard is it to put that ice cream back on the shelf after it's in your cart? How hard is it once you're back in your car to walk back into the grocery store and get a refund and, put, and, and like hand it back to them? How hard is it when it's in your freezer to not open it? How hard is it after it's open to not finish it? Like there's all these, it gets harder. 
that little bit of not being present. This is what Jocko says, right? To not be strong for that moment when he's talking about discipline, just that moment. We're all called to be weak for that moment. Mm. It just takes a moment. Sword fighting makes it really obvious because you're suddenly on your back and you're in pain. You're like, what just happened? Well, you're thinking about some girl. That's what just happened. And then you got beat because you weren't present. Ice cream takes a longer time to have that impact. I just love that we that we have tied together making bad choices in the grocery store, intense athletic competition, and eating well. For talking uh, about making bad choices, I'm your guy, Jack. I'm here for very, it. Oh, I think I could give you a run for your money, Brian. But I've had <laughs> twice as long to practice as you have. Um, <laughs> it's fair. So many different ways, so many different places I want to take this. If we think about eating. And and for me, this is the key differentiator here. If somebody said to me, your diet is a system, think of your diet as a system. I would go, yes, yes, of course my diet is a system. But that's not what you said. Think about eating as a system. And you've broken it down into the all the, the individual decision points that go into eating and treating that as a system that's for me, that's a real revelation. That's really different. And I'm going to, that's what I'm going to take away from here is everything from when I eat to the, that, that one third of a second decision point in the grocery store where I reach and grab the ice cream. Yeah. That's what it would be for me too. It'd be ice cream. (laughs) Well, I have an experiment for everybody to try at home. Asterix, don't try this at home because it'll be gross. Take your trash can in your kitchen, dump it on the floor. Separate everything in your trash can between the kinds of whole foods that you would eat if you were being your best self and the kinds of things that you would be embarrassed to show Dr. Avadia because he'd look at you lovingly but would look at his eyes and you'd be like, I know, coach, I know. And just think about that. Now, you can do this when you're in the grocery store and what's in your cart. Sure. But look in your trash can. That's one of the best evidences of what you're actually eating. Do yeah. you have paper wrappers of grass-fed, grass-finished meat? You're a hero. Do you have a box of crackers and boxes of ice cream? I'm talking about myself here again. Okay. So your system is failing you. Uh, it's probably not going to kill you today. But it's not, you know, it's not like sword fighting where you actually are knocked on your back and now you're, like, you're on the ground uh, immediately. But if you pour out your trash can and the evidence of how you and your family are choosing to eat like in that if that right there is headed for a heart attack you are headed for a heart attack no matter what ideals you have no matter what time of day you eat food nothing else if your trash can is telling you heart attack that's where you're going ouch but that's I'm talking good. To myself here folks you're just along for the ride that's good man that's really good oh all right so um let's let's take this in a slightly different direction um, on our coaching call this week, and this is, you know, I, full disclosure, Phil and I both, um, employ Brian as a business coach, um, on our, on our coaching call this week, we were talking about biohacking, um, specifically around sleep, um, dig into that. Let's revisit that because I found yeah. your approach to it, again, really helpful. So it's like Phil says here, just don't hurt yourself too much. There's something like 10 things we can all do to have better sleep. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to let the fact that we're not 10 out of 10 slow us down. Everything of the 10 things that cause bad sleep or that really prevent good sleep, every one of the 10, if we can go ahead and reduce it or remove it from our environment. We're going to sleep better, be happier, live longer, be kinder to our spouses, everything else. So what are the 10? We got light, both our lights in our home, our lights on screens, but also the lights we're keeping out of our eyes through blue light blocking glasses or through the red lensed glasses that activate your molopsin sensors in your eyes. And we you have, have actual experience with that, right? Oh, yeah. I don't wear them nearly often enough because I'm definitely not doing everything I need to do. Like I'm in the... I have a list of 10 things I need to do to have good sleep, and I'm doing like three of them because I'm an idiot. (laughs) I know the 10. So I'm at a different place of systems failure, right? If you don't know why you're getting bad sleep, you're like, I don't know what's happening. I feel tired all the time. 
That's one problem. If you know what to do, like don't watch some trashy TV show before bed, and then you don't do it, that's a different problem. Now, I'll have you know, the trashy TV show I was watching last night was on my laptop, but I have a red light filter thing on it so that once it gets dark outside, there's only a red light coming from the screen, zero blue light. So that part of the system I'm a champion at. I even look over at my wife, and if there's any blue light coming out of her phone, I say, honey, like, why is there blue light? Come on. Because we're very good about that particular thing. Last night, all salt lamps throughout the house. Uh, we, I think, maybe one overhead light was really, really dim. I got a salt lamp there. I do. See I see that. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. <clears throat> what else do we got? Sleep systems. How many hours between the last thing you eat and when you go to sleep? How many hours between what you drink and when you go to sleep? Last thing you drink of the day. How much exercise did you do that day and how far between last exercise and when you go to bed? What information are you putting in your head? Uh, confession time. Apparently, this is a multiple embarrassing confessions podcast today. You're welcome, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, the show I was watching this is terribly this, trashy. This is a great preview, by the way, for the for the Redbeard Radio because you'll get these kind of embarrassing yeah. that's stories the whole thing. all the time. That's, that's all it is. Uh, so I'm watching the show. It's called Rookie, but it has Nathan Fallone or Fillion, however you say his name, from Serenity. And I love this actor, okay? So I'm watching this cop show. It's sort of formulaic and dumb. Whatever. I love the actor and it's a distraction from various other things, whatever. But Last night, I, and I only watched one episode last night. Like, I need to get to bed at a reasonable hour, be less of an idiot. And it's a cop show, so occasionally it has gruesome violence. Very rarely. It's not like NCIS. That stuff's crazy. Just a little bit. But it had this you know, horrible violence thing. And I thought to myself, as I was watching, I thought I could just turn it off. Or I could keep watching the episode till it gets completion so my brain isn't like in the middle of the story of this violence, right? Well, joke's on me. It's a cliffhanger. It's not completed in one episode, which, you know, that's my own problem, isn't it? The point of the story was the information you're exposing yourself to, whether it's on social media, whether it's whatever book you're reading, any TV you're watching, that that's all going to be in you as you're sleeping at a spiritual level, right? And just like if you went ahead and you drank a two liter of Coke, feels going to mute as he vomits. If you drank a two liter of Coke right before bed... That's going to literally be in your body as you're sleeping. And most people would not expect to be drinking a sugary caffeinated drink right before bed. Would you say, would you expect them then get the best sleep you could? No one's going to say yes. Because we all know you put poison in yourself. Maybe they wouldn't say poison, but we all, we all know it's poison. It's fun poison for some people, like alcohol, fun poison. So what kind of other poison, whether it's light, information, anything else are we putting into ourselves? And to what extent are we creating a container for our brains? And that's one thing that, Phil, you can talk to more than I can about what's actually happening while we're sleeping. A lot of us think, well, you sleep, you know, you need to get good sleep so you can be well rested, whatever. But there's a lot of data out there, a lot of new studies about what's happening in the brain and how your brain sort of takes the trash out while you're sleeping. But if you put trash in your body right before you go to sleep, whether it's food, information, light, you're preventing your brain from doing the whole cleansing thing that is a significant component of why sleep matters. So I wonder if you could share a bit for folks who are new to the idea that sleep is when your brain takes its trash out and you could actually use your sciencey words on that concept. Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting when you look at studies that have been done on sleep deprivation and, and sleep deprivation, it turns out, is uh, one of the most dangerous things that we do uh, you know, to ourselves uh, and, and that can be done uh, to people in the short term, you know, um, we've all probably, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, seen it in the movies or or read about it in the news or whatever, but, you know, if you want to torture someone, uh, you know, and, and for instance, you know, prisoners of war, uh, you know, one of the ways to torture them is just to keep is to sleep deprive them. And, you know, 24, 48 hours of sleep deprivation is, you know, literally enough to, you know, bring someone, you know, kind of to the brink of death and uh, to uh, insanity. So sleep truly is a vital, um, you know, aspect of our lives. Um, It's interesting, you know, I I was on with a uh, patient earlier today and uh, we came, you know, 
we had a very similar conversation because, you know, he's been doing really great with his diet and he's got everything dialed in. And we were reviewing, you know, uh, I had a uh, had him wearing a continuous glucose monitor and, you know, it looked great. Uh, and yet he said, I'm still not, you know, losing weight as quickly as I want to. And I said, well, you know, what else is going on? And uh, we talked about how, you know, he he typically, you know, goes to bed late, wakes up after about two hours because he's thinking about something about his business and he's all, you know, stressed out about it. And, you know, that he says he typically wakes up, you know, two or three times during the night and he's not getting good sleep. And, you know, it was kind of that aha moment for him that, you know, that's what we need to be focused on next uh, is uh, improving his uh, sleep. And we talked about a lot of these concepts, but we, you know, again, the science shows that that is when the, uh, you know, kind of neural pathways, the synapses, uh, you know, get formed is in your sleep. Uh, and, you know, sleep, I agree, is is essential. And it's, uh, as, as you know, it's in the it's in my book uh, as one of the other, you know, kind of pillars of metabolic health is making sure that you get good quality sleep. I'm going to put words in your mouth and you can throw them out if you want. You can do perfect at the other six pillars of metabolic health, but if you fail at the sleep pillar consistently, you're still doomed. Agree, disagree? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, everyone knows that, you know, uh, what you're eating is really first and foremost, uh, but I would probably put, you know, getting adequate sleep as number two on that list, you know, in terms of your pillar of health, uh, because you certainly can't... Um, outrun the bad diet, everyone knows. And, uh, you know, if you're not sleeping adequately, uh, you are going to have a very hard time, you know, maintaining good health. Story time. Back when I was a private security guard, (laughs) there I was walking down the train uniform in my fake cop, a train platform, a fake cop uniform. And I opened my eyes because I'd felt something shift. And I tried to figure out, and I'm walking like, and it was, this was the morning train shift. And this was after a graveyard shift of me being on patrol. And I looked behind me and there was one of those huge metal pillars that holds up train stations. And apparently, as far as I can tell, I was walking straight towards this pillar. My eyes closed. I fell asleep as I was walking, kept on walking. My body noticed I was about to run face first into a big sharp pillar shifted me to the left and kept me walking as I woke up. That's astonishing. (laughs) I got an intimate experience with myself working graveyard security. One time I almost drove off a freeway. That was exciting, like into the gravel. And I got a really exquisite sense. And so years later when I got into mountain climbing, because mountain climbing, a lot of it is you get up at 10 p.m. or midnight to go do your big climb. A lot of that is you're utterly exhausted while you're doing very hard labor in a foreign environment that's dangerous. And I'm like, wow, I have a pretty good understanding of fatigue because I have been there for a long time while working graveyard security. It was actually a really useful adaptation. And Which part of that story, Jack, do you want to dive into? Oh I, I was just going to no. say, and on that note, if you want to know more about sword fighting, mountain climbing, um, working private security, and it'll, it can help not only your business, but all other aspects of your life. How do we, how do people connect with you, Brian? <laughs> uh, my podcast has something for everyone. I promise you that's at redbeard.am. You know, like the old radio, cause I'm old. I realized after I chose that domain that some folks wouldn't get the joke, but redbeard.am. you do not get to say I'm old. Well, do no. you get the joke though, Jack? No. That's all I care I have, about. I have children older than you. Hush your mouth. Do you get the joke? Oh Redbeard.am. Yes, I get the, I Thank get it. You. And I love it. It's great. Great. But so you don't Redbeard. get to see old. And then Twitter, Redbeard Brian. That's where you're going to hear me talk about the podcast, about mindset, culture, politics, sometimes all kinds of good fun, values, whatever else. Redbeard Brian there. And then those are really the two best places to get a hold of me. If you're curious about what a what do we let's say off sword fighting, mountain climbing, private security. I didn't mention goat herding on this podcast, did I? Thanks you also goat didn't mention blues dancing. No, that was a really big part of my life for a while too. That's a different podcast. Once again, <laughs> joinredbeard.com is the place to go to learn more about the Redbeard Accelerator, where we get together every week. 
We get together live. We also have a Slack channel. So for any businessy questions or questions about sleep deprivation and how it can make you into a zombie uh, or any aspect of your business or optimizing your life, joinredbeard.com is the best place there. I can confirm joinredbeard.com has been uh, one of the better decisions I've made here in the last, well, it was this year that I joined. Um, If you're serious about cleaning up your business life, cleaning up the systems that you may or may not have in place and making them more effective and more efficient, um, I cannot recommend it too highly. I have it's, it's been a, a very, very, I, I just got my invoice, I guess yesterday and it's money that I gladly pay every month. Well, I and what my money's worth. I'm, I'm very pleased on that, Jack, that there's being, having some of your invisible thought patterns and systems exposed to you, but then there's the deciding to take action to change them and bring it back to metabolic health. Phil, you sold a lot of books. Now, some of those people have opened it up, read through and gone, holy smokes, and taken drastic action or even some action. Some folks have read through it, said, holy smokes, and put it back on the shelf and reached for the ice cream that they bought in 0.3 seconds yesterday. And so it's this willingness to take action on new information, willingness to look at what are the systems that I'm using to operate my, my life with, and being willing to change some of them that we all want. As Once again, as Jocko says, we all want freedom. Discipline is the only way to get it. And your book is what shows us like here's the here's an arrow pointing at the kind of discipline that people need to have if they want to see change. Yeah, I think uh, you know that probably was a, a theme of this discussion that you know if you want to improve uh, any aspect of your life, the first step is you know being intentional about that aspect of the life. Good stuff. Well, I think we've uh, we've done our business for the day. For Dr. Philip Ovedia, I am Jack Heald. This is the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. I recommend if you wonder if you might be amongst the 88% of Americans who are metabolically unhealthy, you can find out for yourself. Go to Dr. Ovedia's website at ifixhearts.co. That's ifixhearts.co. He's got a metabolic health quiz there. It'll help you real quickly know whether or not you need to take some serious action if you don't know that already. You can also follow Dr. Ovedia on Twitter at iFixHearts. We'll talk to you next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Ovedia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at iFixHearts.com slash talk. That's iFixHearts.com dot com slash talk.